On today's show, the mailbag rolls on, and we've got a few more questions to get to. The number one question, the Bucks offense, what can Adrian Griffin and this new look coaching staff do to spice things up a little bit and uh, maybe uh, create a better half-court offense? And then we had a very simple question, is Giannis staying? I think more broadly, we'll attack that topic of the two-time MVP. And then which Milwaukee Bucks player do you want to be stranded on an island with? Uh, we're going to get a little bit silly. Let's get into it. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win Monday to Friday, and also find my work at ESPN alongside me, the founder of brewhoop.com, a longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. Uh, and we appreciate everyone jumping on board and contributing to the show. That's why we can do these mailbag topics, and uh, some of them more serious than others, but we enjoy them all. And we are, look, it's the off season. We're going to have a little bit of fun. So we appreciate the support. Drop a like, a comment, subscribe, do all those things that help the show continue to grow and uh, help it uh, continue to be free for everyone. It's- it's the least you can do to help uh, Frank Madden here. Look at him. He's uh, <laughs> he's desperate for more subscriptions and likes and comments. Uh, mailbag rolls on. If you missed yesterday's mailbag, uh, we discussed a bunch of interesting topics, including Pat Conant and Bobby Portis, Grayson Allen, their importance to the team, and uh, much more. Why should we be optimistic about the Bucks? So go back and listen to that podcast if you haven't, but we're going to continue to keep it rolling now and continue to drop your comments on the Locked On Bucks YouTube page in the community section. Uh, we'll keep doing these because this is a fun way to get through the offseason. Frank, the Bucks offense, always a topic of much debate, discussion, sometimes frustration. And historically, in the half court, they've had some issues. The question comes through today. It says, uh, Nick from Greece. He would like to ask our opinion on the new head coach as far as offensive systems go. Defense has been great all these years, but the offense can get clunky and kind of slow. What do you think Griffin can bring to the table? And I think we should extend this to the rest of the coaching staff and some of the new faces that have come in. Uh, It's going to be interesting because, first of all, talking about offensive systems for a brand new head coach, difficult to say. But in terms of the personnel, I think it's more, it becomes easier to have this discussion. What I would say is the Bucks' offense last year, Frank, from pre-Chris Milton return in February to when Chris Milton was back was significantly different Different if you look at the overall efficiency, half-court efficiency. Uh, where do you stand with the idea of the Bucks' offense and what they can do, particularly in the half-court at all times? And let's face it, in the postseason, the offense hasn't necessarily been a strong suit of this team, even when they won, went on to win a title. Yeah, I mean, I think we can start off just by talking about what Adrian Griffin has said publicly um, when asked about the offense and and kind of what what his kind of beliefs are. Uh, you know, I think that the two biggest, most obvious things he's referenced um, are from defense to offense, forcing turnovers defensively. Something the Bucks have not, you know, that was like the one thing the Bucks really didn't do well defensively under Mike Budenholzer. Um, 
and trying to do more of that, be more aggressive, forcing turnovers in order to create more easy baskets. You've obviously got the single most devastating uh, transition player potentially in league history in Giannis, uh, but the Bucks, you know, have run less and less, uh, certainly in, in the last year or two than they did, um, you know, maybe when Gian- Giannis was younger, sort of in the earlier days of, of, uh, of Bud. And I, I would say this as well. I mean, I think a lot of times when people think about transition basketball, they think of athletes just going coast to coast, which is what Giannis does, but m- kind of more like mere mortals uh, typically get their transition offense going. Oftentimes, a lot of it's more about just shooting early threes, like running out, getting open threes in transition and shooting those quickly. And you think about like the Warriors, right? Like, well, you have Steph, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, the two arguably best three-point shooters in NBA history. And they were pretty pretty damn essential to to playing a really fast and, and deadly transition brand of basketball. So, um, so I think playing... Um, forcing more turnovers, certainly, um, getting out and, and being able to create more, you know, odd man opportunities, things like that. Like, yeah, sure. You know, that's easy kind of coach speak to bring up. Um, I think though you specifically were asking about half court and I would say, you know, forcing a bunch of turnovers, not necessarily the thing that you can rely on in the playoffs, which is, I think was your point of asking about the half court. Um, the, the one thing that, that he has talked about, which the bucks have done more the last couple of years is focus on offensive rebounding, second chance points. Uh, that's certainly something that Toronto, when Adrian Griffin was there, focused on a lot the last year or two because they had to manufacture offense because they didn't have, um, you know, a lot of ball handling. They didn't have, you know, a ton of, you know, really good three-point shooting um, or individual kind of scores. So, uh, so I would say that's something that would be consistent with what we saw, you know, last year or two. We saw um, you know, against like the Hawks in the playoffs, right. We thought about, thought a bit more from like the perspective of like, well, the Bucks were just bigger and stronger and they just bullied. Um, uh, but I think what we've seen, you know, think about last year, Bud really encouraged guys like Grayson Allen and Pat Connaughton when a shot went up instead of, you know, getting back on defense every time, like to opportunistically go in and just, just try to get a back tap. Right. doesn't necessarily mean you're going to go in and, you know, get your grown man size rebound and put a, put it up and in or something like that, but just, just get a tap out and try to get, you know, a reset of the offense that way. And so I, I would imagine you'd see kind of some similar stuff this year from the Bucks under Adrian Griffin, but that's more about really continuing things that we've already seen. Um, I don't know how I'm, I'm very curious how much the three point shooting in terms of volumes may change. I, I don't really expect necessarily that's going to change much. I mean, Terry yeah. Stotts, the Portland teams were great offenses. I mean, Porter, Terry Stotts is really not Terry Porter. Terry Stotts is probably the more interesting guy to talk about because he has a track record as an offensive head coach um, and a very successful one in Portland where obviously they had, you know, Dame Lillard, CJ McCollum, they shot tons of threes um, as a team and were very good offenses year in and year out when, when he was there. Um, So I, I think, it's interesting to see. I mean, I think like when you think talk about like tactically, what can you do besides yes, try to get more you know cheap points in transition, try to offensive rebound more. Um, you know, I think the thing that we always come back to is this question of like, well, how much is Giannis willing to do as a screener rather than just you know a lot of times taking it from the top and trying to break down the, de- the defense by himself. Um, you know, if that's something that Adrian Griffin can use, you know, the faith that Giannis seemed to get in him this this summer during the hiring process to encourage, you know, getting back to that Giannis as a screener stuff. 
Um, I'd say that would be a positive thing. You know, Zach Lowe always loved to cite the Giannis screen stats. Um, you know, especially when you have a healthy Chris Middleton and a healthy Drew Holiday, Giannis being kind of ha- being that like you know gravity well that just again it really attracts the defense when he's um, setting screens and rolling to the rim isn't necessarily always going to get him a lot of baskets, but um, I think can really bend the defense. And you know, I think I, we've also heard question. I think we've you know, Kane, you probably heard it as well. Like people ask questions like, well, like, could Giannis do more stuff like what you know Bam Adebayo and Jokic do as far as like you know, kind of dribble handoff type stuff and being a fulcrum of the offense that way. I, th- I think it's all just moderation, right? It's all about just like finding different ways to, to engage a defense. So, you know, I want to see Giannis on the elbow. I want to see Giannis in the post. I do want to see Giannis at the top getting, you know, inverted screens to attack the basket opportunistically. Um, you know, I think he's the kind of superstar that you need to use in as many different ways as you can. And so I think a lot of it's just going to be around, you know, when it gets into crunch time, just not being, too predictable and you know you got to just be able to use the fact that you've got three really dangerous players between Chris Drew and Giannis and you know we've seen them like Bud would use that kind of Giannis at the post kind of three-headed monster action or Giannis at the sorry at the elbow and you know throw a pass to Giannis and you can run a different bunch of different actions off that with those with those guys so um so again you know how quickly we'll learn whether the offense is quote-unquote fixed you know I think we probably won't know that until the playoffs and we see kind of what they do when kind of gets down to crunch time, but hopefully I think you certainly would expect if Chris Middleton and Drew and Giannis are all fairly healthy and Brooke Lopez too. Brooke was another kind of key part of this offense last year, just being effective from all over the floor. Um, I think they have, you know, an opportunity to, to certainly return to being a top 10 elite offense. And if they do that during the regular season, then obviously you'd feel better that they can carry some of that over to, to the postseason as well. It was interesting. I just looked up these numbers a little earlier today because, yeah, it, there's a difference between uh, transition offense and, as you said, sometimes shot quality. And I, I think sometimes if you look at those early threes, particularly if you're missing them, you're like, well, that can't, that's not a good shot. But even if you look at what the Bucks attempted last year, uh, out of all the threes they were shooting, they shot 20 threes per game in the 15 to 7 second mark and the shot clock, so pretty standard stuff. They shot 37.5% there. But they actually got up around 15 threes per game before the shot clock even hit 15, but they were still very efficient on those. They shot like over 37% on those early shot clock threes. So even though sometimes the misses don't look great, uh, I mean, the numbers suggest that they were shooting a, a pretty high efficiency. I know we spoke a lot about uh, Javon Carter last year. And, and just the last point, we do get a lot of comments about the BAM and uh, Jokic stuff even you know through the postseason uh, I mean obviously Jokic being able to shoot from well beyond the three-point line changes the dynamic a little bit in terms of the way he's defended Bam definitely gets a lot of wide open shots it seems like around the free throw line area Giannis could probably get those it's going to be interesting to see next year uh, you know with that mid-range percentage that did drop off last year but in previous years he was shooting a, a, a decent clip there so It'll be fascinating to see where he gets these touches, but we're going to continue the conversation on Giannis coming up next because we've got a very simple question, Frank. Uh, It's a topic of conversation. But first, FanDuel, our sponsor of today's podcast, and we know that it is baseball season, and uh, if you're fascinated at putting a bet on the MLB, FanDuel is the place to go, and you can get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right, just bet 20 bucks. 
and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, whether you win or lose. That's 200 you can spend on betting everything from the money line to the over and unders to who you think is going to hit the first home run. And uh, you know I've been talking about the FIBA World Cup a little bit over the last couple of days here. USA, the favorites to win it all at minus 115. Canada, second favorites, plus 550. And then in my opinion, the team that should be the favorites. The third favorite at FanDuel, Australia, plus 1,000. At uh, FanDuel, so you can get all your FIBA World Cup odds uh, there. And sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to 200 bucks in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. All right, next question as the mailbag uh, rolls on. And don't forget to continue to drop your questions uh on the youtube page the easiest place to do it on the community page there uh, if you don't listen to the show on youtube that's totally fine you can still jump on just hit subscribe and then you'll be able to drop a comment there you can also get us on twitter at kane Pittman at f madden f madden nba i should say twitter x whatever you want to call it uh next question will Giannis leave <laughs> It's literally all it says. Will Giannis leave? Look, I, I think I would like to reframe this a little bit more, though, because we spoke about Giannis, and I know that people get annoyed about the doomsday stuff and how early this is coming up. We've already discussed the idea that, it, quite honestly, like it just doesn't make a lot of sense from Giannis from a personal perspective to sign an extension this offseason. John Horse mentioned that, yeah, it's our job. Of course, we're going to inquire about it. But I don't think there's any great expectation that it'll happen this offseason. Equally, I don't think there should be major panic if it doesn't happen. Uh, but when we look at where this roster is at in terms of the age demographic and what the next steps are going to be, I would feel that it's totally fine to sit back and say, hey, the Bucks probably need to be in a position over the next two years that should promote some optimism moving forward. Otherwise, Giannis would have reason to consider what's next. I, I think that that's fine, and I think the pressure on the organization makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I think anything happening, you know, in the next year is doesn't really seem like that that could could really be in the cards right i think we'll, yeah, we'll like see why would he how, do that you know yeah um you know i i think again you have a new coach you never know what's going to happen with the new staff right i mean it's Giannis's kind of hand-picked head coach so you would expect he'll be hopefully patient with adrian griffin or adrian griffin seems like you know a gem of a guy i didn't like if, if they had hired Nick Nurse, you know, like I could have foreseen, like, who knows, maybe there's some <laughs> friction with Nick Nurse, right? Like, and yeah. um, wherever it might be, but um, but I think in general, like, you know, don't don't see an extension happening. It doesn't really behoove Giannis to do that, especially if he wants to keep the pressure on ownership and the front office to keep investing and and paying, um, you know, to have as good a product as possible. So I think to me, it comes down to you know where you are. Uh, in the fall of, of 2024. And because, because then you're, you know, you're, you're basically entering a an expiring contract type situation. He's got a player option beyond that, but there's not real. I don't the way the cap is going to be going up. I don't think there's a whole lot of reason for him to, to take that player option. I think he'll opt out and he'll make more money that year. $300 million dollar deals. Yeah, I know. Seriously. So, uh, so I, I think, I think it's nothing really to panic about panic about in the next year. And I, I'm still, I would say, you know, I, th- I feel like I've always been trying to be realistic. You know, an entire career is a long time. People's opinions change. 
we've seen lots of stars who say like, you know, they're not going to leave. They want to be someplace forever and, you know, things change and they evolve, you know, like think about, you know, to our listeners, right. Think about like what you were like when you were in your mid twenties versus like what you're like, you know, in your early to mid thirties or something like that. Right. I mean, people people change. Um, So I I won't begrudge Giannis if he, you know, feels like at some point, you know, he wants to, Cool. Go to a different place, play in a different city, right? I think, but I think for Giannis, I think he's far less likely to have kind of the Wanderlust sort of issue that some guys get because A, he's won a championship here. So there will never be that same pressure that someone like a Dame Lillard faces, right? Like Dame Lillard, like, oh, you haven't won, you can't win, you know, you're never going to win a championship in Portland, right? Well, Giannis has won a championship in Milwaukee. And I think Giannis is obviously on a different level than a Dame Lillard in the sense that, you know, Giannis is like, he wants to win multiple championships. And what would that do for his legacy? Right. Like he obviously is super hungry to win more titles. He's not going to sit back and just say like, ah, one's fine. Dirk won one. I'm good. I can kind of right off into the sunset, but, uh, but he's won one and that's, you know, makes a big difference, big different, very different from like, if you're Joel Embiid. Um, And, I, you know, I just, I just think he, he would rather stay here and make it work and stay here forever and, you know, finish his career here if, if he can. And so I think it's just really a question of, you know, when the cliff potentially comes, if the Bucks can't reload in a way that keeps Giannis truly competing at the highest levels for a championship, you know, in two, three, four years, um, then how is he going to feel about it? Right. And is he going to feel like, his career is, you know, missing out or is he going to feel like there's, you know, beauty in the process of, of having to, to figure it out in this kind of next phase in Milwaukee and being kind of the, the linchpin of all that. Right. Obviously as Bucks fans, we hope he, he sees the beauty of it, whatever the hell I just said about, you know, wanting to, to kind of be that, that cornerstone um, for his entire career. Uh, but I don't know. I, I think if you asked me to put like a percentage, like what is the uh, what are the odds that Giannis like retires as a buck? I would probably put that under 50% just because again, that's hopefully going to be, he hopefully has a very long career ahead of him. Um, but I don't think it's far below 50%. And I think the odds of him signing an extension at some point before he hits free agency, potentially in a couple years, um, I think that's, I think that is above 50%. You know, I think that's, I don't know, 70%. I don't know. I don't know what, what, what the number is that, but, but that is my, might be the number that I'd kind of throw at the wall. Um, so I think it's a good bet. Um, but I don't think it's a slam dunk because again, just stuff as we, as we've seen, right. Milwaukee, thankfully in the last five years, I mean, things have not changed all that quickly, right? Like they've, been consistently good in the regular season they've kept you know most of that same core and year in and year out they've had a chance even if they've obviously have you know not always come close to to fulfilling that promise but um but so yeah let's check back in a year but i think hopefully you know things go well enough that that he feels like yeah it makes sense to to lock in and i think the other interesting thing too is like what we're seeing with with these star players now is a willingness to just take the money and then worry about if you want to move later, right? We haven't seen 
you know, sort of the superstar wait for free agency and then just go wherever they want to a team that has cap space or do a signing or whatever it might be. Um, so that trend could also be a positive in the sense that, um, you know, it makes Giannis less concerned that, well, I gotta, I can't sign because I, I, I need to be able to become a, a free agent. Right. So, um, so I think that's, that's a, maybe, maybe it makes us think about it a little bit differently than we did, you know, thinking about like to the decision, right. With LeBron, where it was like, everything was counting down to understood free agency for LeBron and same thing then happening when you went to Cleveland the second time, um, you know, things have changed obviously a little bit different and, you know, wouldn't surprise me at all if Giannis signs a contract and, you know, I mean, probably the, there would be an understanding. I think there probably was one when he signed the last contract that if the Bucks kind of screw it up and can't put a team around Giannis and he feels like it's time to move on that they're not going to, you know, treat him like a hostage about it. They won't necessarily send him exactly where he wants to go. Right. Like that whole, that whole question we're now seeing with Portland and Miami over Dame, but, um, but I, I, I'm, I would guess that there, that if Giannis asked for that, you know, he said, Hey, I'll, I'll sign this extension. I feel good about this. We have a great partnership, but you know, if things go off the rails, you know, if we can't compete for a championship, you know, would you help me potentially move on to, to a destination where I could, I mean, what are you going to say if you're John, John Horst and Bucks ownership, right? I, I mean, if that's what it takes to get him to sign the extension, you sign the extension and you hope that you don't have to cross that bridge. So, um, so yeah, I mean, lots of flavors to this, but um, I would say I still have macro optimism, even if I think you have to be realistic about where this Bucks roster is headed. And there's obviously a fair bit of uncertainty sort of the further you look out past the next year or two. So a couple of quick things to to tie this one together. First of all, you did mention it, but yeah, I think Giannis, like clearly at this point in time, is going to be loved at the, you know, forever here, no matter how this uh, plays out moving forward. Secondly, if he does sign a long-term extension on that big money and then decides a year later he wants to be traded, it's better for the Bucks anyway, yeah. because they'll probably be able to get some serious stuff back uh, for Giannis still in his prime. And then the other reason why I still just feel optimism, and this is going to be a talking point, and I think we try to do it from a more realistic lens than what you're going to see from elsewhere over the next couple of years, but which will be mostly doomsday. But I think the other point is that, and this is one of the reasons why I love Giannis, I think we all love Giannis, because there's a bit of like F you in him where he's just like, hey, I'm the man in Milwaukee and you guys keep joining together. I'm going to win again here and be the man. And I could see a superstar coming to Milwaukee, which I know feels weird to say, to play with Giannis, but I think that's more likely than Giannis going to team up with Durant or whoever it is elsewhere. But uh, time will tell on the Giannis one. Bit of fun coming up next. Which buck would you want to be stranded on an island with? We'll get to that next. All right, let's tie this thing up with a question. That says, if you were stranded on an island and could have one current Bucks player with you, who would you choose? Uh, you want to take it away, Frank? I've got an answer. Hopefully, yours isn't the same. But where are you at? Well, first off, the 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 username for this question being Cannibal Lock, um, I, I, a little a little intimidating when we're talking about being stuck on <laughs> desert islands with someone. Let's That's let's right. as, let's assume food is copious. Um, because uh, you know, if it comes down to 
fighting an, an NBA player to stay alive. I don't feel too confident about my odds. That but. is, by the way, that is what you're going down the lines of. I hear people sometimes use that as a reasoning for who they want to be stranded on an island with. You know what I mean? A, a bigger person for like I mean, animals and stuff. Wait, you're talking about they want to be unstuck on a desert island with like a bigger person to like like help hunt and stuff, or they don't want to be stuck because, because they think because I, I think they think that the bigger person might be a more inviting target for killer animals. Oh, you know what that's I mean? Weird. Okay, well, I, I definitely wasn't wasn't thinking it that way. Um, <laughs> I, so I actually for a second I was like I was kind of like hmm who would this be and I was like well. Wes Matthews just left, so I can't pick Wes, I guess. Wes, uh, an appreciator of Rocky Rococo, a Wisconsin uh, native. Right. Um, but then I looked at the roster and I was like, oh, this is obvious. This is obvious. This guy's on my my top five um, like all NBA hangout list. Um, and I think the only question is, if it's not Brooke Lopez, would it be Robin Lopez? I'm going to give the 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 benefit of the doubt to Brooke because he's been here longer. He's won an NBA championship. So, you know, if I'm on the desert Island and I'm reminiscing about how much I loved watching the Bucks win an NBA championship, like if Robin's there with me, it's going to be a little awkward because, you know, Robin left and, and didn't get to win the championship. So with Brooke, you know, we can, we can kind of be like, Oh man, you know, I can be like the Chris Farley character in the, the old sketches where it's like, he's talking to Paul McCartney. He's just like, you know, the Beatles were awesome. What was that like? You know, I can I can do that with with Brooke. So, uh, so yeah, Brooke just seems like a. I mean, he's a lovely guy, very smart, funny. Seems like a very good conversationalist. Um, you know, I think you you'd want to be. You don't want to get someone who's like maybe like you know like like other guys who are like have good personalities like a you know former Bucks Jared Dudley, Jason Terry. Love those guys. Maybe could get a little annoying. I don't know, right? <laughs> Maybe I don't know. They talk a lot. I feel like Brooke would would be a really good balance of funny, interesting, but like also I don't think he would be annoying in any way. Um, I would probably be annoying to him, but but I was I about to Brooke say it's pretty. Annoying. It's kind of interesting you talking about people being annoying because they talk a lot. <laughs> I know. Uh, well, we won't have we won't have phones, so they can't be forced to listen to my podcast. But I no, guess no. their whole life will become a lockdown bucks podcast, which is perhaps a much scarier thing. So, so yeah, for me, it's an easy choice. Um, as much as I, I love most of the dudes on this roster. I mean, Drew holiday is a total gem underrated, funny. Drew is a great choice. Giannis, obviously we love Giannis, the Nassis, the Nassis personality. Plus we love the Nassis, Chris, you know, a lot of good dudes. Um, but I'll go with Brooke Lopez. Also Brooke, very tall, you know, probably has the highest standing reach of anybody on the bucks along with his brother. So, I mean, I feel like if you need to like reach up and like grab like a coconut or something <laughs> like that, um, he would be, he would be good. And we know his back is now surgically repaired. So, um, so he seems to be, be doing well physically as well. You, you don't want to be having to, you don't want to uh, like a seven foot dude drag an ass that you have to, you know, help hunt mm-hmm. for or something like that. If you're on a desert Island, you want that guy in, in tip top shape. seems like Brooke is. So. That's uh, a good, Good answer. We definitely <laughs> we definitely looked at this differently though, and I, this might be just me. I'm just uh, I'm not, I'm an optimist though, so I don't know why I'm feeling like I'm on this island and about to die at all times. And I also live in Australia, so you would think that it just wouldn't bother me. But I was actually thinking from the perspective of, and again, I'm assuming that you 
friends with these people or you become friends with this person. So Brooke Lopez, so I was thinking, you know, if you are stranded on an island and you don't know what's out there, and maybe there is some some killer animals or maybe there's some other people on this island that uh, have been living there and they're protective and they want to kill you. So I'm thinking about if, you, if, if things are out there trying to kill you, like Lost. I only watched the first season of Lost and it got a bit long in the tooth, but... I love Lost. I love Lost. So I definitely was sort of thinking about this a little bit as we were thinking about this question. That's right. So do you know what I thought of? I thought of Brooke Lopez in Sacramento when it was at Trey Lyles, like yeah. shoved, and Brooke's like, I'm not going to let him do that to you. That's and a yeah. yeah. And I'm picturing like some animal trying to get at me. And then Brooke Lopez comes from nowhere and like has it in a chokehold and then just starts yelling like that. So I think as a protector and a loyal friend which we would be if we're stranded on an island together eventually i've got confidence uh he would be the ideal candidate so clean sweep brook lopez i think it makes sense bobby portis is the other guy that i think deserves a mention here because if you want to talk about like somebody who you know could maybe scare like a wild animal with his intensity like yes bobby you could get his like his eyes bulging no doubt you could probably maybe you know scare off something um and uh he is younger than 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 brooke very good injury history on bobby and uh i feel like bobby would be very fun to just sort of shoot the shit with um but uh but yeah so bobby can't go wrong brooke's also like into you know like um animation and stuff like he maybe like draw you some cartoons (laughs) on the beach with a stick or something like that uh but yeah a lot of a lot of good options there i think bobby i I wanted to make sure i mentioned bobby because i think bobby could be a a good a good option there as well definitely could throw himself in there if you know the random lost island polar bear comes bounding out of the woods i feel like bobby <laughs> portis would wouldn't back down from it that's right but long story short that's a beautiful question and that's what we're looking for in the mailbag we can have some serious basketball conversations and then we can get a little bit silly as well well here hey here's a question if joe if this was about last year's roster would you have picked joe ingles given that he's Australian and you guys have some, I mean, you guys sort of know each other a little bit, like, um, you know, would, would that have been enough? Like, I feel like if you could relate to anybody on last year's bucks, it obviously would have been Joe Ingles because you're both Aussies. He talks a lot of shit. He's a funny guy. seems like a good dude in general. So let's, let's rewind a little bit. If Joe Ingles is included, are you, are you including Joey? Well, it depends because I think there's two versions. Like, there's obviously the incredible family man that we've seen, and uh, and dad and parent and everything he's uh, gone through with his family. But then there's also the Joe Ingles that's the biggest trash talker in the NBA, and he's quite clearly a pest. And so, if you get pest Joe Ingles on the island, <laughs> you're probably over it in three seconds. So, I don't know. It's like, no, I think I'll stick with Brooke. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't know. That's a, that that is a good question. No, I probably would go with Joe. Just let's be honest. Uh, all right. Let us know what part you want to be stranded on an island the, with. If, if we expanded this to all of the NBA. Yeah. I feel like Steven Adams would be, if not oh, the top yeah, of the no list, no close doubt. to it. Because A, funny guy, yep. good dude. Um, and then B, if you want to talk about a guy that could go like, hey, we need to, we need to eat, Steve. Can you go? We, we got to go hunting. I feel like he could no. just like disappear into the jungle and go kill like some large animal and just rip its arms off and come back and you'd be doing pretty well. Steven Adams, what an absolute legendary figure he is. All right, let's wrap it up. 
Let us know what you thought about today's podcast and keep the mailbag questions coming. Uh, we will continue to roll through them over the next few weeks here in the off-season. We appreciate the support and the laughs on today's podcast. We'll speak to you guys tomorrow.